the shit you love. The podcast of the series of the graphic novel of the album where I get to crap on about anything I like. Hello. Welcome to Only the Shit You Love the podcast of the YouTube series of the album of the graphic novel of the crazy idea I had seemingly about 50 years ago. This podcast is ostensibly about only the shit you love, but as you'll probably find out if you bother to keep listening, it's going to become more like a sort of a water slide into the dark recesses of my brain. But just to try and stay relevant for at least a few moments, we should start by addressing the central question. What's that? Yes, that question is, only the shit you love. What's it about? It's about the modern world, product placement, continuous improvement, the culture of engagement, the diminution of language, the moronisation of television, imposter syndrome, Subjectivity, my career demise, the herd instinct, popularism, the death of reason, nostalgia, love, loss, tolerance and friendship. And a few other things, when I think of them. There'll be one episode in the story which is almost entirely irrelevant to the central plot. A massive red herring that comes flapping onto your plate without so much as a sousson of tartar sauce. And yet, it's probably the episode that ties everything together. Because it's about time travel. And time travel is central to the story, to my songs, to this podcast. I'm going to bounce backward and forward between the wondrous, accoutrement-laden, richly appointed and downright fucking annoying present and the past the real past, the imagined past. They don't make nothing like they used to. Is that because it was better then or because it's better now? I do have to get in nice and early with a bit of a caveat here. This is a podcast and the rules of podcasts are that there aren't really any rules. Any old talentless, unimaginative prick can crap on about anything they like and put it out there. Most comedians, unless they're Tony Martin, just switch on a mic and say whatever comes into their head, presuming their natural ability to be funny will carry the load. And you don't even need to be a talented comedian to think you're good enough to add to the minutes and hours and days and months and centuries of fucking podcasts out there. That's long been one of the double-edged swords of the modern world, the democratisation of information. Time was the only talentless, pointless people able to smear their opinions across the windscreen of public consciousness were your Neil Mitchells of this world. Now everyone's getting in on the act, including me. Yep, the bin is full of unwanted opinions, and yet here I am, wandering up your darkened street on the night before collection trying to shove my fly-blown bag on top. Your decision is whether or not to stay with me. I'm going to talk about the songs and a little bit about where they came from, but really that's only a small portion of it. 
I'll basically see where that takes me. More often than not, I'll go back in time. The ghosts of my past that linger in the periphery of my present. This is me though, so it's my opinions, my story, my inspirations. It's only the shit I love. And if that strikes you as pointless and irrelevant, well, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Okay, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. Maybe you like the sound of my voice. I have been told it's kind of soothing. So pop this on last thing at night and I'll hardly get 50 words in and you'll be snoring sonorously. There you go. Job done. I don't mind. After all, it's only the shit I love. Only the shit you love. Why would I call it that? Where did it come from? Let's go on a little journey into a little box of wires sitting on your kitchen bench or your garage or a display on the dashboard of your car, something we still refer to somewhat anachronistically as your radio. Now, this is a bit of a Melbourne reference here, but we do have a radio station in Melbourne called Gold 104.3. It's part of the Pure Gold Network, which has a few other stations, but basically... You know, I bet there's one like it in your city, wherever you live, in every city. We're talking about the classic hits format. Music from the past. Gold 104.3 came out of KZFM, which itself came out of 3KZ, an old world AM radio station that had first broadcast in the 1930s from Trades Hall in Melbourne. 3KZ was permanently on the dial of my mum's modest transistor radio in the kitchen of the house in Springvale where I grew up. 3KZ is where I would have heard the Beatles, the springboard for my lifelong musical obsession. Which brings me to the first of my regular segments in this podcast. Are you ready? Then let's begin. Only the bits I love. That's right, only the bits I love. I'm going to play and briefly tell you about some of my most favourite ever tiny little five second bits of songs. Bits that have some significance, or maybe there's just something about the lyric, or the drum fill, or the guitar line, or the chord change that I've always loved. Because, I don't know about you, but with me, there are just moments in songs that are the whole reason why I like the rest of the song, the album, sometimes even the artist. Tiny little moments that could easily have not happened, but because they did, snared this little music fan hook, line and sinker. I'll be going all over the fucking shop with these bits, There'll be no particular theme or pattern to them. But anyway, let's get cracking. And in this episode, I have to start at the start, obviously. And I'm going to start with a pretty obvious one. So you might have guessed it by now. It's the Beatles. Close your eyes. That's the opening three words of All My Loving. It's not even my favourite Beatles song by a considerable margin. But if we're talking what's your first conscious memory kind of bizzo, those three words are my earliest memory of the first record I ever owned. 
playing loud and clear in my house, not coming out of the radio or the TV. Close your eyes. It wasn't the first time I'd heard the Beatles. It doesn't count as that experience the Beatles themselves had when they no doubt first heard Elvis. That kind of, my whole life changed in that nanosecond moment. Sadly, I don't remember having one of those. I most probably got hooked on the Beatles from seeing them on TV. The Ed Sullivan Show or something. But my memory of those first three words of all my loving is in high-resolution clarity. It was my birthday. My parents came into my room and then, quite loud, I heard the Beatles playing. It was actually for just those first three words, like Paul McCartney was in the kitchen. I jumped up in bed and went, are the Beatles on telly? But I could already tell this was clearer and louder than that. It was all my loving on a four-track, eponymously titled EP, playing on our shitty little mono record player. But to me, it sounded like the Beatles were in our house. Jesus fucking wept. Listen to me, will you? Talk about... Tell us what it was like in your day, Grandad. Yep, that's what I said, a mono record player. If you're still listening, all one of you, I can't emphasise enough what a crucial role the whole shitness of sound quality actually played in forming my lifelong love of music. It sounds counterintuitive, but the harder you had to work to hear what was going on, to make out what they were singing, to know anything about them, just enhance the magical, mysterious allure of it all. Treat them mean, keep them keen. It was like you were outside looking in, peering through a crack in the wall into an exotic, exciting, glamorous world that you could only guess at. As far removed as another solar system from the tiny, modest lounge room of 20 View Road, Springvale. And it's kind of fitting that those first three words I heard from the first record I ever owned were close your eyes because so much of it took place in my imagination. Close your eyes and become somebody else, somewhere else. That's what I did for most of my adolescence. And it was all coming out of that tiny little cloth speaker on that shit little mono record player or the even worse excuse for a speaker in my mum's tranny radio in the kitchen. Where were we? Oh yes, that's right. Mum's radio in the kitchen, where the young me became the future me. I was talking about Melbourne AM radio station 3KZ. It was, I now realise, a formative influence on the kind of music I like best, which generally tends to be pop music with some kind of identifiable hook, melody and vocal harmony. Now, I like to complain, along with the best of them, about Spotify. Spotify is Satan's cock, rogering the career of every musician who isn't Taylor Swift. But just quietly, when it fucking suits, Spotify comes in pretty handy at times. I went back and made a playlist of songs that I would have heard growing up listening to 3KZ. It was a lot of fun. Things like The Rain, The Park and Other Things by The Cow Seals. 
Lady Scorpio by The Strangers. Puzzlingly named Candida by Dawn. I don't think it was a song of praise to a yeast infection. Speaking of yeast, Mouldy Old Dough by Lieutenant Pigeon. These are all songs that I'd long forgotten, but they were the wallpaper of my youth, the pop songs of the time. But today, that playlist is a lovely, comforting little place that I retreat to occasionally, the past. And as we're going to see, the past is going to feature heavily in this podcast. So, by the time 3KZ turned into Gold 104.3, it stopped living in the present completely. Everything was about the rearview mirror, and I was about to have a chance meeting with Gold 104.3. About, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, probably more, I was in our car, most likely waiting to pick my daughter up from her shift at Chadston Shopping Centre, and absentmindedly I flicked through the stations on our car radio, landed and then actually stayed, possibly for the first time in my life, on Gold 104.3. It happened by accident, because the idea of listening to a radio station expressly devoted to the hits from a previous era, and I don't mean the great artistic creations, I mean the chart-topping mainstream, the idea of listening to it would have been abhorrent to a musical snob like me. But I chanced upon it, and I was kind of fascinated. I was fascinated because... In a lot of cases, these were songs I'd barely listened to, or even never heard. During that particular period of the 80s, I lived in a little air-purified bubble of listening only to Triple R. Sorry, that's another Melbourne reference there. Triple R was and is something of a Melbourne institution, along with PBS and 3CR, all subscriber-funded community radio stations. There's a million community stations across the world now, but in the 80s, Melbourne could hang its snobby credibility hat on the fact that it had three outstanding, groundbreaking community radio stations where other majorly cool cities in the world had none. To a kid from Springvale with a voracious musical appetite, but no idea where to get it, 
Triple R was a bit of an exploding safe door into untold riches. Some nights I'd have it on as I went to sleep. I distinctly remember that happening when I first heard Love Like Anthrax by Gang of Four, which is essentially about 30 seconds of guitar feedback followed by a somewhat foreboding funk groove and then two blokes start talking over each other. exactly Kaysan, is it? To me, and doubtless to many other suburban kids, it was exciting, confusing, but thoroughly addictive stuff. All this unheard music, some of it great, some of it unlistenable, but all of it, like moving one of the books in the library and bingo, you're in the Batcave. You wouldn't see any of this shit on Countdown or Night Moves or Sounds Unlimited, Australia's three TV music programs at the time, nor on commercial radio. Well, you wouldn't bother trying there. This was a whole new place away from fucking Bohemian Rhapsody or another brick in the wall. And when you're young, how exciting is secret shit? This is t-shirt wearing stuff, you know? Hello world, this is me. I'm different too and smarter than you. I know the secret shit. Of course, what you don't realise is that you're not different. You're still part of a herd. It's just a smaller one. If I'd known that, it might have put me off because I had this completely fantasised sense that I was alone with my little radio having a personal one-on-one relationship with this music and these impossibly cool announcers, or so I imagined at the time, like Bodan X who had a cockney accent and sounded like he didn't give a shit, slurring his words and stopping mid-sentence and forgetting what track he just played and not caring. If I'd gone to some club and met other people who listened to Triple R and discovered they weren't intelligent and witty and people I'd aspired to being, but were in fact slavish followers of fashion without an original thought in their head, well, I would have been massively disillusioned. But fear not, listener, no danger of me going to a party or a club like that. Nearest thing to a club for me would have been the Sandown Park Hotel Thursday Night Disco after my shift as a part-time track attendant at Sandown Park Greyhounds with my mate Mark Bailey in his orange Sandman panel van, going there so we could check out the chicks 
while the DJ persisted in slamming the volume down on the track every time it got to the big sing-along bit, so all the yobs and yobettes could yell out the words. I bet they never did that at Studio 54. Anyway, there was I, gripped by the fervour of new musical snobbery, moving through my so-called secret world, listening to Triple R, reading NME, the snob's Quran, buying my obscure Perubu 7-inch from Missing Link or Monash Records, wearing my T-shirt. And so, for a decade, or more really, I never heard commercial radio. Not properly. It'd be on in the background of a shop, maybe. Or, of course, at the Sandown Park Thursday night disco, in which case I'd never hear the choruses anyway, thanks to our volume-riding DJ. Or Countdown would be on TV and I'd switch it off. I mean, are you kidding? We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel? Roxette? Well, for me, that could fuck off for starters. My life was like religious bigotry. You're orange or you're green. You can't be both. So, fast forward to the 21st century. And there I am, sitting in my car, hearing some massive hit from the 80s for the first time. And with all the years that have passed and all the experiences that have happened to me, I guess I've, well, hopefully, moved on a bit from that young snob. These days I'm open to a much wider palette of flavours, not bound by a snot-nosed ideology. And I'm hearing a Hall & Oates song, and with no subculture narrative to weigh it down, I'm going, this is not bad, you know. Now, not everything that was a hit in the 80s was Final Countdown by Europe. So, in my little Gold FM listening moments, I heard Free Falling by Tom Petty. I'd always kept a distance from Tom. He seemed half okay, but he did belong to the mainstream. So, you know, 666. But, thanks to this weird little journey of discovery, I now very much, very posthumously appreciate Tom Petty. Hall of Notes, too. I must admit, these days when I wander into a vinyl store, because... Yes, listener, I have become one of those wankers who listens to vinyl records. And I ask if they've got any Hall and Oates. I still have this momentary shudder of shame, like I've gone into the newsagent in Springy and asked if they've got any copies of Penthouse. And I bet even now some of you are going, Hall and fucking Oates? Well, that's your right. But that's me, I'm afraid. There's a slightly perverse part of me that's always fascinated by things I had previously shunned. Like I'm somehow trying to annoy the previous me. We never lumped Hall & Oates into a category like Yop Rock back in those days. God, I hate categories. But it was still considered soft, smooth music for conservative people, which it might have been. And of course, there was that whole other thing about those guys, the question that must surely hover on the lips of anyone who gives them even the most cursory of considerations. What is the fucking point of John Oates? But all that aside, in the 21st century, I discovered there are a lot of their songs I really like. She's Gone, for starters, and Sarah's Smile has this kind of haunting restraint. 
Later on they produced a string of radio-friendly pop hits which don't move me as much, but I still admire. And you'll probably shudder at this, but I feel the influence of Hall & Oates and of the Philly soul that influenced them as well in a couple of tracks you're going to hear on Only the Shit You Love. Thanks, quite possibly, to, of all things, Gold FM. That was one effect of my Gold FM phase. There was another one which, um, about 20 minutes ago, I started talking about but kind of got waylaid. It's positioning statement. Because every fucking radio station has to have a positioner, like everything in this shit-breath modern world. Where do you fit? What category are you? What school did you go to? Okay, so I'd randomly landed on Gold FM and liked it because I was, in my own strange way, hearing new music. That was totally opposite to the effect they were seeking, of course. Gold FM was created to provide a soothing balm of familiarity to people who grew up with mainstream commercial music in the 80s and have gone on to have jobs and kids and mortgages and lives and really don't have time for music other than as a background to getting on with things. And that's why their positioning statement at the time was Only the hits you love. I thought it was the most hilarious yet dark and portentous thing I'd heard in ages. That's my next album title, I thought. Well, I was nearly right. I'll tell you more about that next time. See ya. You've been listening to Only the Shit You Love, the podcast. If you want to see the series or buy the music, go to campsite.bio forward slash Damien Cow DC. See you next time. <laughs>